and I must keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Everybody and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, where a bit of a fresh start, right? Fresh start. And it's more of a fresh start, not on the Marvel side of things, but on the Jimmy Boy side of things, because I'll apologize for the sporadic nature of this podcast and kind of promise. I know that these seem like empty promises, but we're going to get going forward with this. It'll be a fresh start for all of us and not as an excuse, but I will explain a couple things that are kind of maybe a disclaimer to get ready for some wackiness. And this is kind of the let's talk real, turn the chair and the hat around, let's talk to the kids here to explain some things that have happened in the past couple of weeks that not many people, if any, actually know about. But again, that's kind of juicy, right? That actually, I'll, I'll tie that in later when we go to the first two books of the show. But The juicy bits here is that I have talked about this on the show and a bunch of other podcasts that I am on. And I think that it's very obvious if you have listened to some things. I have a really, really bad attention deficit disorder. I cannot pay attention. I am all over the place. But for the past bunch of months, I have been medicated. I will tell you that I have been heavily medicated. They are trying different versions, different dosages, all this stuff to try to get what they think getting my head straight. Now, while that has been happening, I felt like a zombie. And I have realized now after the fact that it really did end up making me sleepwalk through everything during the day and night. And it also did affect the production of, you know, a lot of the podcasts that I was doing. I fell behind on a bunch of things and just couldn't get the oomph or the gumption to even get them done. Now, if you are listening and you're one of the people that you do podcasts with me, the thing is, the things that I had scheduled with other people, I'll I'll always get done because I don't want to screw them. But if it's something that I have to get done by myself and prepare all this stuff, It just fell flat. I just couldn't. I felt like a zombie. And if you are somebody who has uh, an attention deficit disorder of any kind and whatnot, you might understand or realize that a lot of the medications right now, there's severe shortages of them. And so when I went to get these medicines I'm on, and I'm on multiple medicines that they're trying out, I don't even know if some of these go well together. Who knows? Trusting my doctor. But I ended up going and, okay, this medicine, that's back ordered for two weeks. Oh, this medicine they may not have until the summer. And so I came to a bit of an epiphany of, first off, I don't like how I feel on these anyway. But if they don't have all of them, let's just scrap them all. Let's go just back to a fresh start. Fresh start. You know, start at zero, work up, all that stuff. Because when I wasn't medicated, yeah, it would cause a lot of problems a lot of frustrations but at least i felt like me and i had a lot of energy and i was you know had ideas and getting things done and whatnot once i was on these medications i just felt like a robot zombie and so i ended up stopping all the medications i do not 
suggest you do that because, yeah, some of these you end up going through withdrawal on. And I did go through some withdrawal. But after that, I started feeling better and better. And I think right now, again, I'm not going to tell you that my attention and my focus is there. But it is in that weird hyper-focus type of way, especially with comics. And it also is kind of a a thrill a bit. It's weird to explain. But I think that it's a bit of a fresh start. Fresh start. And I couldn't wait to get to record this podcast. I was actually excited about it for the first time in a while. Yeah, that's a little column A, column B, because a lot of the stuff that Marvel's been putting out I haven't loved. But it's also just, you know, feeling energetic and feeling like yeah, you want to go for it. So we're going to go for it. And what a week to go for it. We have a lot of new number ones, though I will catch up on a couple books. And that's the other thing, thinking about, you know, oh, I missed this, missed that. And I kept thinking, I got to catch up on all these books. And then I kind of realized, no, I don't. I could just start right now and then we'll go forward. We'll catch up with things as they come out and that will get everything back in line. But I do want to go back and talk about a bit of a Spider-Man book. But again, a lot of new number ones. We'll get to a bunch of those as well. little fresh start. Let's get going. And off we go. All right. We're going to start with Amazing Spider-Man number 20, an issue that everybody down at the rec center was losing their minds over. And I'll try not to yell, but I think I may. Because by the end, I think everybody's aware. You end up having an issue written by Joe Kelly that he throws in this little bit of a tidbit that Peter always thought of Mary Jane as a sister. Now, that's kind of weird, right? I don't know. But I could only hope that it's him just trying to get laid. He says this to try to fool old Felicia, and then they can go off and knock some boots. I think she's too smart for that, and I don't think that's what's going on here. I have a couple theories We'll save those for the end. But boy, just to start out with, why is this something that Marvel has Joe Kelly do if it's that big? Is it that Zeb Wells doesn't have any balls? Maybe. I don't know. We'll talk about that sort of thing by the end. But it's just an odd play. I'd love to say that Marvel can't read the room. I don't know what room they're in. It seems like such an easy thing to recognize what a lot of fans want and then give that to them. That's kind of an equation, I think, for success. But instead of that, Marvel seems to maybe not realize what fans want, but I think that they know. They have to know, right? So they know what fans might want, but instead of giving it to them, they snatch it away then rub their faces in it. They get the fans, and then in this issue, kind of make fun of them and then kick them in the balls. That is not an equation for success. That does not seem like it computes. Again, remember all this when we get to the end, because I have a theory, and it's a wacky one, but really, what can be more wacky than deciding to have Peter say, Hey, I always looked at Mary Jane as a sister. I mean, what could be more wacky? Here are the stats. We have it written by Joe Kelly, art by Terry Dotson and Rachel Dotson, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Now, everybody lost their mind at the end. I've already said this. The last page has this big, giant bombshell. Well, here's another bombshell. Everything up to there sucked, too. The art's terrible. The script is horrendous. But here is the recap. The Silicon Six, a group of tech bros, right here, this ding, that's the annoying ding. 
I will hit it every time one of these little things annoys me. And tech bros, I should hit it three times. One, two, three. Tech bros. We're hunting Tombstone's right-hand menace, White Rabbit. Only Spidey and Cat discovered that Rabbit rented the tech to the six for their new startup's corporate retreat that the hunt was just a team-building exercise. Things did get real, however, when CEO Michael spelled M-Y-C-H-A-L, and that's the way that the devil spells Michael, was found murdered and the Silicone Five now <laughs> turned on the animal-themed super folks. So, oh, my God, a spider, a rabbit, a, c- a cat, oh, my. Oh, my goodness. The, the art in this issue, it feels unfinished. Not a background to be found. A lot of just unfinished nonsense, right? The script is just, it, it's this nonsense Joe Kelly who still thinks it's 2008 and he is writing just like that. Even then, I think it'd be cringy a bit, but now it just feels like an old man who wants to talk with the kids. I'm going to go and, hey, what's up there, fellow kids? Say, hey, and it's just nonsense. And it's one of those things that if you are a Joe Kelly fan, God bless you, but go, all of you get in the time machine and go back to 2008. Hey, get out of town. Because I felt like that was the same garbage that we were getting in Nonstop Spider-Man and Savage Spider-Man, two books that nobody was reading. And now in these two issues, he's come in to you know, mess up things, put his D-prints in to just, just do nonsense. And so with this whole story, you could have had Joe Kelly, just tell a two-issue little side story that was a cool-down after Dark Web. Dark Web sucked. I just want to remind everybody, but you didn't have to rub our noses in the nonsense that Zeb Wells has been rubbing our noses in all along. You should have just come in here and had a little fun, a little thing, before we get to the big reveal. And the way that that has been spelled out, we're going to get that big reveal through an arc up until issue number 25 so we have mystery box storytelling oh my god what did peter do and what happened in york pa why does mary jane and paul have a family and we're gonna have to wait 25 issues to find out and as i said already the idea that drives me nuts is we had our just everything thrown at us and made fun of and they seem to be laughing at us this whole time oh you want to tell them now no let's wait a little longer let them stew on it. What is going on? So you end up having this whole now Silicon 5. They're trying to fight off White Rabbit, who's just annoying. Spider-Man, who's got our man Kareem, who pisses his pants. And that's supposed to be funny. And Black Cat going around. And it is just nothingness. It is just straight garbage, as the French say. And yeah, you get to this point where eventually... It's revealed that old Michael, he didn't die. He set this up. This was part of a loyalty test for these tech bros that I don't give a rat's ass about. I don't care about them. They're annoying. And really, they have the great effect of making everybody else around them annoying. And so by the end, it is such a nothingness of a story that it angers me, right? And then we get to the last page. We get to the last page where you end up having Peter say, by the way, I always thought of Mary Jane as a sister. He ends up saying, because Felicia wants to know what's what, 
What's up with us? And he says, Mary Jane has been a part of my life for a long time, more than a part, but she's more like a sister. And you end up having Felicia. Nope. And then a best friend, better butt. And he says, I love her. I always have. And part of me always will. But I think that love has changed, you know, like a capital L to lowercase or the other way around, whichever makes sense. Well, first off, none of it does. Right. So there you go. There's the issue. I knew this was going to be quick, but here comes theory time. You end up going through all of this stuff, all this nonsense. We still don't know what happened in York, PA, that made everybody hate Peter and suddenly make people have, you know, families out of nowhere or whatnot. But I think that you end up, because it is weird having this be thrown out there by Joe Kelly. Again, maybe it's because Zeb Wells doesn't have the balls to do it, but I think it's something different. This is what I think is going to happen. I think that by issue 25, things will change back to the norm. And what Marvel will hope or think will happen is that we'll then applaud Zeb Wells for fixing something that he was a part of ruining. This doesn't work for me. This is something that happens a lot. I've talked about this, about a lot of other writers and stories. You can't come in and ruin a character, ruin a relationship, only to, at the end, get it back to the normal status quo level and be applauded because you did that. You didn't do anything. You ended up fixing your nonsense that you set up only to fix to get rewarded for or applauded for. Doesn't work for me. I think that what is what might happen, but that's nonsense. And so why? And that's why I think that it's one of those where Joe Kelly's taking a big fall for doing this. But Zeb Wells, he'll swoop in. And this is a way to get everybody on board with Zeb. But no, he's written a lot of garbage in this. This run has been bad. And then this is just the icing on the crap cake. And so we'll get to whatever happens. But Joe Kelly and the Dodson should be embarrassed for what they had put out here, especially in the second issue of this two-parter. And I hope that I never, ever have to read another current Joe Kelly issue again. I'll go back and read some of his other stuff because it's pretty good. This stuff's garbage. Go, go away. Don't do this. And again, if you are a fan of his, all the power to you. I am not now, and I don't want to ever read anything from him again, especially after what he did there with Peter talking that nonsense about him and Mary Jane. So with that, I'm giving this a 2.5 out of 10. And if that ends up seeming low to you, if that's a shocking score, I think that you have been pretty much brainwashed with what we get normally nowadays with scores. Nobody wants to go under an 8. Well, I'm going under an eight. And again, I'm coming back here in a positive way, but this is garbage. I can't stand it. 2.5 out of 10, and we'll move on to the next book. Next up is Cosmic Ghost Rider number one, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Juan Cabal, colors by Espen Grutenjern, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. It is Dual Identity, part one. There is a backup story, Cosmic Ghost Stories. It's also written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Jonas Scharf. I think that you get more of the coolness factor a bit in the backup, which is kind of odd. And there are some plays, but I think overall, I did like this issue. I didn't love it. I think that it never really gives newer readers to Cosmic Ghost Rider that idea of, oh, man, this is a cool character. But to get that, you might want to go back to the original miniseries that was done by Donnie Cates and Dylan Burnett. I suggest you go and read that. I loved it. 
me and Brandon, when we first started the podcast, that was one of the first books that we really ended up loving. And yeah, there have been other cosmic ghost rider stories. He's been in the Guardians of the Galaxy. He has been in Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider by Dennis Hallam. But you also had stuff that I did not like at all. Cosmic Ghost Rider destroys Marvel history, that Paul Shear book. And so at this point, even when you go from that into that Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider, I had kind of already thought, hey, I've had enough. I've had enough of the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Call me when you get Dylan Burnett drawing it and Donny Cates writing it again. But at this point, there's been a couple years since that last story. So with that, I was looking forward to this. I'm not a huge Stephanie Phillips fan, but I thought, okay, give it a shot. And again, I did like this issue to a point. There's things in this that I think are a little cliched. It seems like we're getting more of old man Cosmic Ghost Rider than Cosmic Ghost Rider. And there's a mystery But I wish that Stephanie Phillips set it up a little bit better. It's one of those things that, okay, the mystery you want to figure out, but you shouldn't have to figure out everything that makes you realize that it's a mystery. And that's kind of how this is. And I'll try to explain it because we start off with space. Duh. Right there. I'm like, okay, stop it. You know, take this a little more seriously. I know it could be a fun book, but this isn't Deadpool. Come on, let's go. And so when you go, and that kind of makes me feel like, okay, this is the Harley Quinn writer, Stephanie Phillips here. Ooh, I hope that that's not the case. And and from that point on, it gets a little more serious. But we end up seeing a character looks on the surface to be Cosmic Ghost Rider, but something's off. And this character's going through a space station blowing people's heads off pretty much talking about you know this is what happens when you mess with me and vengeance is here and i'm gonna steal all the monies it just feels off everything feels off about this scene but that's how it's supposed to play out because this does not seem to be our cosmic ghostwriter this doesn't seem to be frank because when they end up going through this they end up ripping through this space station, you end up having our Frank wake up way somewhere else. And again, it's old man Frank Castle, old man Cosmic Ghost Rider. But throughout this, you can kind of get that feel. He hasn't really been doing the Cosmic Ghost Rider stuff. He's actually living in pretty much a room at a bar. He's been taken in by this girl named Axel. He calls her Axe. She doesn't like it, but it's her father's bar. And it's one of those things, though, Stephanie Phillips does some good character work here where we kind of get that feel that this girl, she brings in strays. She ends up bringing in sad sack, you know, sad case type deals. And Frank is one of those. He ends up he is working as kind of a fix it man for room and board. But I do think that Stephanie Phillips sets up a good deal with these two characters, this girl and her dad. And I guess the dad's name is Marlo because that's the name of the bar. I like them. I actually do like them. In the little bit of time that we spend with them, I do like these characters. And it's a shame what happens to one of them in a minute. But Frank himself, he just kind of is going through the motions. He's old man Frank. Like that I wish was played a little better. But in the meantime, you end up again establishing 
the here and now. Frank's living in this room. He has to fix the pipes. I thought that that might be getting sexy, but it wasn't. He's actually going to go fix the pipes, right? He's laying the pipe, but he ends up where, as this is going on, you go outside of the town, and Stephanie Phillips and Juan Cabal are really giving you that, you know, Western in space feel. This feels like an old West town, but in space, kind of almost like a firefly feel from back in the day. And this guy's looking through, you know, the town and he's drunk. He's double fist and alcohol like Brandon does during the day of every day. And he's like, hey, two natures are always at war. Good and evil at war with themselves, in themselves, by themselves, ha, by themselves. Good and evil. And then in rides on a motorcycle, the man in black. That's the best way I could describe him. What we find out in a little bit, he seems to be a bounty hunter that has come on a bounty to take down Frank Castle. Now, in the meantime, this is where you have to kind of connect some dots. And it's not that bad. But when he ends up finding out where Marlowe's bar is and goes in, it's right as the conversation between Marlo and his daughter Axel is, well, you know, Frank can't be that bad because he hasn't killed us or stolen anything from us. And as this man in black walks in, he says, yet. Yeah. What? Excuse me? I said he hasn't killed or stolen anything yet. And you have this Marlo, I'm sorry, we're not open yet. You know, classic play here, you know, whatever. And this guy just sits down and then says, hey, I need to know, does this guy you're talking about go by the name Frank, white hair, dark eyes? I need to find him. I need to do, he seems charming, he's dangerous, and I'm here to take him down. Now, this is where Marlo says, well, I told you we're closed, and he doesn't even get closed out. This guy grabs this Marlo by the head, slams it into the bar. In a weird sort of art, it almost looks like this Axel is like, all right, I'm out of here. But she is grabbing a bottle to smash over this guy's head. And when she does, he doesn't really react. It's not like he gets passed out. He's pissed now. And he draws his guns. And he ends up saying, you are both naive. You better listen to what I'm saying or I'm going to shoot you. And the Cosmic Ghost Rider belongs in a grave, not a bar. Where is he? Is he here? And this is where Frank, you know, with his pipe wrench comes in and says you've come to the wrong place cosmic ghost rider no longer exists now i keep mentioning this idea of old man you know cosmic ghost rider old man punisher old man frank castle and it's not even just the look it's starting to get a bit cliched and tropey of that hey i stopped being the cosmic ghost rider a long time ago he no longer exists he is like you know it's that that goes well with the western as well but it still feels cliche it still feels like something we've all seen over and over whether it is in say the old man logan book the other old man stuff that came after that or any sort of you know western or any sort of movie like that so you end up with that happening but the thing is this man in black this bounty hunter He ends up like, well, I don't care what you're saying about the idea that you haven't been Cosmic Ghost Rider. He doesn't exist anymore because he does. And he's been wrecking house all over the place. And the Sakaran guard have hired me to take him down, which is you, Frank, because of what you did. But Frank has no idea 
what that might even mean. But again, it doesn't play out as well as I think that the conversation kind of ends here. And I wish there was more of a, what are you talking about? You know, even if you had this Marlowe say, he couldn't have done that. He's been living here for three years or nine, you know, something like that. Or even Frank say, I gave this up two years ago and then have this bounty hunter say, that doesn't make sense because you killed three guys three weeks ago. I want to connect more of that idea that that, you know, pseudo faux cosmic ghostwriter at the beginning has been going around messing up things for Frank because Frank has given it up. But you could kind of read between the lines. I just think it could have been a little more clear. But you end up having this bit of a standoff. You see Frank with a pipe wrench, pretty good. They're fighting back and forth. You end up where this man in Black Bounty Hunter, he grabs this Axel girl and then shoots the dad who goes down. So that's big. That almost gives you that idea of, all right, now Frank's going to have to get back to being Cosmic Ghost Rider and this girl will end up coming along. Again, classic Western tropes. This really feels like it's uh, just something that Stephanie Phillips has watched a bunch of Westerns, and she's going to tie it all in. But I said this, and I actually was told this by my man Eric over on our DC Comics podcast. If you're going to go with tropes and cliches, you might as well go with good ones and then meld them into your own story. And that's what I think Stephanie Phillips might be able to pull off here. But really, by the end of this, you end up where, you know, you have this other cosmic ghostwriter who's out and about that might even be connected some way. There's some weird play here of, oh, my God, waking up thinking something's a dream that wasn't whatnot, but going. And you end up having this other guy seemingly wake up and then, okay, the stuff we just saw was a dream. But this cosmic ghostwriter says Yeah, it has to be a dream because I never hesitate to pull the trigger because you did end up at one point having, you know, a standoff. Frank had his gun pointed at the man in black. The man in black had that gun up to Axel, but then ends up shooting, you know, the dad Marlowe. So it's it's a shame. At the end, though, what's weird is as you end up having the other cosmic ghostwriter wake up, we don't really know what happened to you know, the man in Black Bounty Hunter. He's just kind of gone in the scene. So he must still be there. We'll have to see what happens and and what goes on. Eventually, maybe it will be this play of that guy figuring out that, oh, that wasn't really like there's something going on and you end up having all these people join together. It'd be wacky to join in, especially if the dad is dead. I don't think this XL will want to have any sort of joining up. But Again, I said there's a backup. It's the Cosmic Ghost Stories, and it just gives you this quick little story that gives you some cool action. It does fill you in of Frank's past, but also the Cosmic Ghost Rider's past, and I do like the art. looks a little bit more like the Dylan Burnett art that I really did like with the Cosmic Ghost Rider stuff. But yeah, it just kind of ends up where... This guy has almost like the dream gem that makes the pretty much, you know, Frank in this dreamscape of all of his guilty sins that he's going to work through. But at the end, he figures it out and just blasts his way out of this. And he does end up saying, you know, I don't need some stupid gem to, to create specters from my past to remind me of all the wrongs I've done. Those haunt me every day. It's a nice little one shot deal. Just to give you, okay, this is what Frank has gone through. 
in kind of a twisty, turny way. But at the end, he's like, hey, guy, you're nonsense. This guy would set this up. And he just goes off in a portal. But I do think that that backup does give you more of a cool Cosmic Ghost Rider feel that I want in the regular issue. And I think that eventually we may get there. Again, even with me saying cliches, tropes, all that, I still enjoyed this. I was worried a bit because Stephanie Phillips and my past with her, but I thought she did a decent enough job. I hope that things develop more, you know, flesh out a bunch of stuff here. And I think we could have something pretty cool. So overall, I'm going to give it a optimistic eight out of 10. I like the art as well. So I'm going to go eight out of 10 and we're going to move on to the next number one, which is a book that I don't know. I I never thought we were going to get a Hallow's Eve book. I even made fun of it on one of my news programs, but let's see if it works out. Maybe it could be one of those hidden gems. Hollow's Eve number one is written by Erica Schultz with art by Michael Dowling, colors by Brian Reber, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I surprisingly like this more than I ever thought that I would. It's a very quick read. By the end, I actually wanted more. That says something for it. So I give Erica Schultz a lot of credit. And kind of going with that kind of deal that I said about the Cosmic Ghost Rider, where I wanted Stephanie Phillips to show everybody how cool the Cosmic Ghost Rider can be. Erica Schultz in this book actually shows me that Janine Hollow's Eve character could be legit. And I actually like the, you know, Halloween masks for powers way more than I have up until now. So I give full credit with that. There's only one thing. That upsets me that I'll get to in a minute because here is the recap. When Janine's boyfriend and clone of Spider-Man Ben Riley became the face of the Beyond Corporation, one of the perks was Janine's conditional release from prison. While the couple lived the high life for a few glorious months, it was not all as it seemed. Maxine Danger, head of the Beyond Superhero Division, was systematically erasing Ben's memories to make him easier to control. When it all came to a head, Ben was left without his vital memories, changed into the dangerous chasm, And Janine was back on the run with her new bag of magical masks. So you're getting that whole play from the dark web. And really, if somebody says dark web, you better duck because I might swing. I hated it. I hated it so much. I talked about it on this podcast. I've talked about it for videos on YouTube. I thought it was just straight garbage. But I do like Janine and like Janine in the Beyond stuff. And I wasn't a huge fan of the Beyond stuff either. Where this kind of sticks in my craw here, Ben Riley wants his memories back. He ends up going to and teaming up with Madeline Pryor to give us Dark Web, where throughout he kind of was like, hey, Peter, eat this fruit. No, I don't want to eat the fruit. Come on, man, eat the fruit. No, no, I don't want to eat the fruit. Oh, shucks. And then would complain to Madeline. Oh, man, Peter won't eat the fruit. Well, try to make him eat the fruit again. Okay. Hey, Peter, eat the fruit. And I kept saying in that, if Ben wants his memories, why did we have to have him versus Peter versus Spider-Man when really the people who were the problem were the Beyond Corporation? Why weren't Peter and Ben hitting the road to find the Beyond Corporation and in particular Maxine Danger? Because maybe I misread things, but I know that when me and Jason were doing the podcast, we kind of got the feeling that Maxine and the Beyond Corporation, after all that crap went down, they hit the underground, they disappeared. They ended up skedaddling out of New York, and that was why 
then kind of was forced into, well, I can't find them. So I'll just go to the source and I'll try to get everything from Peter. It felt like a misplay, but we just went with the idea, well, you're going to go and try to get it back from the closest thing and they don't know where the Beyond Corporation went. Well, in this issue, it seems they went nowhere. It seems like they're still going about their business. And that is odd. That is very odd because, again, they disappeared almost now to feel like it was like one of those things. Well, they have to disappear so we can force them this dark web. But now that this is done, let's have them come back. Such a weird play. But Janine, I do like. I like the art in this. And amazingly, which I thought was so goofy, the idea of these masks, I like the way. It's played out. You end up starting out with Janine. She's walking down New York City streets, as you will see. Little three-card money going on, you know, stuff like that. Ah, such fun times. And she ends up looking up and sees an electronic billboard, wanted for murder. There's her face. Oh, my God. I've got to disappear. i got to get off the streets. And she goes in an alleyway and puts on the model mask. Pretty much Marilyn Monroe. Pretty cool deal, though. I, it, even I like the way that this works out. Every time she grabs a mask, you end up having a little tiny narration placard model mask. Gives you the looks of a Hollywood icon. All right. I'm on board. She puts this on. It does even transform what she looks like face, but also what she's dressed, all that stuff, body, everything. And she's walking down the street now. And turning heads And I even like the idea that she's like Whoa, I don't need this attention But then when she puts on the model mask She goes, now this is the attention I like Even though it's kind of cat calling But she likes it, right? So she's going, and again, it's one of those things That's better than the police arresting you So she's going with that But really the whole play of this issue And why I can get be Why I can get behind it Why I like Janine is She's not using these masks to be like, all right, I'm going to steal the Mona Lisa. I'm going to do this. She is going to steal things, but everything leads back to her wanting to rescue Ben, break him out of the limbo prison that he ended up at the end of Dark Web. But also when she does that, she just wants to disappear. This is something that she kind of wants to do. She just wants to go off the grid. She says one of the best times that we had were when her and Ben just took off and they ended up disappearing for a while. But you're going to need money for that. And she's going to try to gather up that sort of thing, you know, before she ends up trying to break Ben out of limbo. So she goes into a bank. She's been told that things are there. And she ends up then, yeah, you know, the guards like, hey, miss, you know, we're closing in 15. She's there still as Marrow Monroe. Like, oh, I'm just using a little girl's room. Goes in and then pulls out the ghost mask which I think is really cool. She ends up almost looking like, you know, Moon Knight a bit, but you get Ghost Mask gives you intangibility and invisibility. She ends up becoming a ghost, and then she flies through walls, goes into a bunch of these, you know, safety deposit places and all these things in the bank, passes a bunch of, you know, classic. There's an amazing fantasy there's a Hulk action figure. Everybody has their little trinkets and treasures there in the bank, but she's going for, you know, the monies. There's also some gold bricks and things like that. Well, she's going to go. And I do like this too, because she goes in as this ghost. She goes to grab the money and her hand just goes through it. And she's like, oh man, what? Oh, intangibility. Okay. So she takes off the mask 
And now she's just her, Hollow's Eve Janine. Well, that ends up being seen on the security footage, the security cameras, and that guard from before goes to stop her. Now, she's there. It's like, oh, man, you know, don't fire your gun. Let's talk this out. He keeps yelling, freeze. And she reaches in and grabs yet another mask and puts it on. And this is pretty cool. It's the Wolfman, the werewolf. The Wolfman. We got the Wolfman in the house. And she turns into this. And this is where we're going to get. And I thought, okay, at this point, that's cool. It's cool that you're getting all these masks. And oh my, maybe there'll be more. This will be neat to see. But what is the overall deal? And are there any repercussions to this? What are the stakes? I mean, I don't want to just have a series where Janine is running around putting mask after mask to go through walls, and then she's doing this and that. You need something else beside that, and you do start getting it here. This guy, he's just a security guard. He doesn't want to mess with the Wolfman. Who would want to mess with the Wolfman? I wouldn't. So he's freaking out, and you do, though, have this point where Janine Wolfman is kind of a bit crazed. You know, almost taking that whole persona deal and does end up slashing the guard. Knocks the gun out of his hand, but does cut him. You see him get cut. And I right away thought to myself, ah, they're going to do this. But this guy should become a wolfman. This guy should definitely become a werewolf. And I'll give Erica Schultz credit. He does by the end. And I'm like, all right. Maybe that was one of the reasons why I'm like, all right, this is a little more thought out than what we usually get from a nonsense book. So I'm down. And you end up this guy, he ends up getting slashed. You end up having Wolfman Janine run off with the money. But this is around and there's, you know, footage and this leaks that a Wolfman, a werewolf has robbed the bank. You end up getting a call down at the fifth precinct and you have this woman, Sherry, Detective Stevens. Uh, she ends up having to take this case. Hey, uh, you know, Sherry, we got this weird one down here. It was a wolf man, and it ended up robbing a bank. Oh, my God, what am I getting myself into? You also, in this, to drive me nuts, you do have a bit of a callback with the dark web stuff of, oh, man, somebody's toaster almost ate their dog. I'm like, stop it. Get out of there. But I like that this... Detective Siebens it is I think I might have said Stevens But it's Detective Siebens You know it's already like oh, I thought we were done with this bullcrap But has has to go down and check out The werewolves I almost coughed there But then we go to the Beyond Corporation headquarters And I'm like what? What's happening? I thought that they skedaddled You get Maxine Danger Not really well presented in a way If you didn't know her You really wouldn't know what's going on But she's still you know for Lack of a better term, still a bitch to everybody, but I did always like her a bit for just being such a jerk and just on front street about it. And she's yelling at her tech guy. She's yelling at everybody else, but they end up hearing about this Wolfman. They even have the footage. This intrigues her, says to everybody, hey, everybody here, you, you know, keyboard jockeys, you find out everything you can get from security footage and everything online. While I get my team, we're going to get dressed up and we're going to go to the scene and figure this on out. And again, I I question why we have to get the Beyond deal in, but getting them in and if you know them and you know this Maxine, you know there's trouble afoot and you don't really have to 
know anything else. They're going to do something. They're going to try to search out this whole Wolfman that could lead to Janine. And that's big trouble because they're the ones, the Beyond Corporation is the ones who ended up getting her out of jail in the first place, all that stuff. But we go to Janine. She ends up being, you know, squatting in some unfinished building. You end up where she is going to give some recap here of what she's doing and how she wants to get Ben out. And, hey, it was the greatest when we were on the road and we could disappear. And that's why she's getting the money. And, again, that is something that I can get behind. I I can get behind the idea, yeah, she's going to do some bad things. She didn't mean fully to hurt that security guy. He was going to shoot her, so she had to do something. But she was just there to grab some money and go. And then she does end up mentioning, it's so funny, she's like, you know, I got to watch out for these masks, and thank God I didn't use the vampire one. And it's just there kind of like half in and out of the, you know, her pocketbook deal. And I'm like, I don't know, that one looks pretty cool. Almost looks, if you're a DC fan, looks like she's going to turn into Lobo, but she's counting her money, there's the mask. It's just a way, I like that you have to, like, Push that out there like, oh, I don't want to be that vampire. But you go to the scene and Sevens, she's on the case. They end up finding fur and then in a cool little twist like, oh, I'll get that. I'm here with forensics and ends up getting it. But it's Maxine. And you realize that everybody involved here in this cleanup crew or whatnot is probably part of the Beyond Corporation. Even Seven says, I don't recognize you. Oh, man, I'm new on the job. Hey. And while this is going on, they are. Taking the security guard to the hospital You end up having Seven say I want to talk to him I need to find out some things They're like no no we got to get him to the hospital stat And now you don't really know Is this part of the Beyond Corporation that are taking him Because they want to take him away Or is this legit But they're talking the talk They said stat so they must be official But yeah he starts turning into the Wolfman And that's again The Wolfman At that point I'm like you did it You did it because I was worried that it wouldn't be anything, but it is. And I do also like the idea that Maxine is the only one because she's so into these werewolves that she ends up like, I'm going to be a werewolf. There's no full moon. So she wants to see if it was tech, if it was magic. So I, I thought that was pretty cool, too. But this guy, he turns into the Wolfmans, and then that is on the news the news of this whole deal of oh no the security guard has turned into the wolfman janine was not aware that that could happen obviously she seems to be watching a television here where i don't know why there's any electric but we'll go with it and she's like oh no i turned a guy into the wolfman as you see janine going off in that ambulance so it was obviously the beyond corporation but they knew the lingo they said stat that means official. So off they go. We'll see how all this plays out. I like that. I, I didn't expect to. I'm telling you, dead serious. I expected to read this issue and just say, screw this. I'm not talking about this garbage. I liked it. It's my favorite issue of the week here of what we did. I know we didn't do a lot of issues there, but we end up of those deal because I'm giving it an 8.5. And again, I'm shocked. I am shocked completely, but give it a try. Give it a, a little look through. And I think there will be some people who get a bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a thrill from it, a little bit of a chuckle, even. So you have the Wolfman. You're always going to get it from me. But that is it. 
We do have a couple other number ones that came out, but I had talked to some people that Spider-Man Unforgiven by Tim Seeley, a bunch of people told me it's not really worth checking out. The only other one was that Spider-Gwen deal. If people end up liking that and wanting, I'll get to that. But I wanted to especially center on (laughs) this Hallow's Eve, but also the Cosmic Ghost Rider and get a little of that. Amazing Spider-Man. But like I said, as we go forward, we'll have another podcast on Sunday night. And when we get to, say, a book that I haven't talked about in a couple issues or whatnot, I'll kind of go through a little bit of a recap of what I thought of those others. But we'll continue to go with the new stuff so we can just keep going forward and hopefully getting some hidden gems like the Hallow's Eve. Still goofy to me. But with all that, thanks, everybody for listening i hope that you enjoyed this and again i will apologize for the sporadic you know deal of this podcast but i hope that that is done and done and we go forward so thanks everybody and i will talk to you all later and i must keep running running and running running and running